so grateful for that today. God bless you. Nice to see each one of you today. In the presence of the Lord. <clears throat> Let's turn to the book of Joshua, if you would. <clears throat> Joshua chapter 5. I must have forgot to pay that electric bill again, didn't they? Joshua chapter 5, verse 13. Um, we're having a youth, youth service um, tomorrow night. Well, we've been having it there. Question and answers, uh, Rob said 6.30, I think. So those with the desire to come for that service. <clears throat> Joshua chapter 5, verse 13. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, there stood a man. Behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us? or for our adversaries. And he said, Nay, but as the captain of the host of the Lord, am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. So I wonder what made that place holy. It was the presence of this being, whoever it was, that had made it holy. Then when this being left, the place wasn't holy anymore. What sanctified that place? It was his presence. You know what makes this, these rooms in here sanctified? A couple times a week, Holiday Inn is holy. Rest the time, I'm not so sure about. But this same man right here is what makes it holy. And when that man appears and his people come together, their presence consecrates wherever they are and makes it holy. Then when he goes back up, his people disperse. It goes right back to being whatever it was before. We're truly blessed. So then I ask you, what if this man right here, this very same one, was to come down and get in our souls and live in us 24-7? Wouldn't we be a walking temple of God? Well, there you go. Service dismissed. If you can grasp that, it's been a great day.
I may like to be remembered as we pray today. Let's just bow our heads together if you would. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that we can be together again. Lord, how we love church. We already knew it, but I think it's becoming more real to us that church is not necessarily the building where we are, but it's where us and you are gathered together. Your angels, your presence, for that purpose we've come again today, Lord. We're asking you that you'd speak to us, help us. If we can recognize your presence in our midst, all of our troubles, all the difficulties that we're going through, they may not be totally dissipated away from us, but we will realize they will never conquer us because your presence is here. Help us now, fathers, we look into your word. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we ask it. And the saints said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. How many knows who this man was? Christ and a theophanic appearance. You know, I like the way that Joshua went about this. The first step toward victory is to acknowledge that we are second in command. It took him a few minutes, but it didn't take all day, thankfully. But he wasn't sure exactly who this person was, who the being was that, as the writer of the book of Joshua said, a man appeared before him. Most of us, looking at a man, it would be hard to know, was it an angelic appearance? Was it a supernatural one? Was it just a human element? But we find by what happened here that it was definitely more than a man. I love the appearances of the Lord on the earth. I love the way that he custom fits those appearances according to the particular needs of his people. Joshua was facing a great battle. Jericho is the foremost city in the southern part of where they're going into. And Joshua cannot go around it and say, well, we'll go north, we'll go east, we'll go west, and then we'll come back and take this. But Joshua knew it was necessary to take this first. Then God would give them the rest of the land. But it was a city that was a great conquest. These people had fought some, but they were mainly masons. They were householders. They were slaves. They were people that were not, many of them, professional soldiers by any means. And yet, he's looking at a city that, as far as we know, historically, had not yet been conquered. So how do you take a city whose walls wind up being 20 feet thick? How do you take a city that so far, historically, no armies had yet been able to conquer. No doubt 
different people had different ideas. Some would have said, well, I have read that what you do in a situation like this is you build a rampart and you go to climbing up with mounds of dirt and then you take timbers and you make big wheels and you start rolling up that ramp until you're able to put your men over the top of the wall. No doubt someone else would have said, that's too much labor. Why don't we just camp out around this city and we'll starve them out? Because the Bible tells us that the city was shut up. And I love the way Brother Branham said it when he read that scripture in Joshua 6.1 when he read that the Bible said the city of Jericho was shut up. Brother Branham said it like this. It was like a turtle in a shell. So all you gotta know is how to hunt and cook turtle. So it depends on how you look at your circumstances. Now, Joshua, we have no record that Joshua asked for any input, but this appearance was so custom fit for their situation. And what I find amazing is we have no more spiritual occurrences that Christ himself ever appeared just like this again. You know, I think that where we are today and our time frame, that the Lord Jesus knows exactly how to appear to us too. There may be a time that he will appear in a bush or in a cloud or in a pillar of fire, but he knows exactly what each of us need. What do you need today? You know, I've found so many times myself, I don't even know how I need him. I might pray, Lord, would you do this? Lord, would you do that? Father, I need you to come this way or that way. And yet, he would show up in a way that was so different than the way I prayed and so different than the way of my anticipation that I was completely overwhelmed And yet, it was the right way. Now, we know that God had already appeared in different theophanic appearances prior to this in the book of Genesis, in the book of Exodus. Turn with me if you would. You'd like to read with me. In Genesis chapter 18, verse one. And the Lord appeared to him, this is Abram, in the plains of Mamre, And he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. And he lift up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground. Now, the Bible does not declare to us that he appeared to Abram as the commander of the host of the Lord. The Bible does not declare to us that he appeared to him as a pillar of fire, but he appeared to him as a man. Now what's amazing was there were three men. Now, you know, I find it I find it overwhelming because the Trinitarian theologians who try to look in the Bible to prove that there's three gods, this is one of the places that they go to. So they try to make Father, Son, 
and Holy Ghost. But of course, we know there is no such a thing as three gods, there's only one. But by a prophetic understanding, we know that this was Jehovah and two of his mighty angels. Just down the road, a great supernatural thing had happened. The prophet tells us, is there anything too hard for the Lord? In Tulsa in 1960, he said, let's just imagine that it had been a pretty bad day. Sarah was in a very bad mood. And the cattle were running short of food and they were running short of water. And Sarah had told Abraham that Miss Lot, she had heard from her and she had moved down to the land of Sodom. And she had got all the latest fashions and everything was going so good seemingly for Lot and his family since they had left the message. That's always the way the devil will do you. Once he pulls you away from the word, he'll convince you that you're so much better off until he gets you moved into Sodom. And then once he gets you moved into Sodom, you're pretty much a goner. So everything wasn't going real good. Lot had more grass. Lot had more water. Lot had more convenience. And now Lot was a city man. And he was also the judge or the mayor of the city. So it seemed like since he left the message, everything was going so good. But I want you to notice one thing. When the Lord God come down to make a special visit on the earth, he never visited Lot. He visited Abraham. So for me in my house, I'll stay under the oak in memory. I may not have the water, I may not have the popularity, I may not have this and that and the other, but I'd rather stay right here under the oak and have the occasional visit from Almighty God than to wind up being burned up with the Sodomites. Amen. But God did not appear to Abram in this same supernatural way that he appeared to Joshua, but yet this was exactly what Abraham needed. You know, God has has the ability to appear and manifest himself in so many ways. I believe he's gonna do it right here for us today. Notice here in verse 33 of the 18th chapter, and the Lord went his way. Now we know that prior to this and the, the verses prior to this that two the, of the two angels, they went on toward the land of Sodom and God never went to the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah but the Lord stayed with Abraham and Abraham as a mediator had intervened for Lot's sake. The only reason that Lot was even spared was not because he was a good man not because he was a righteous man, but because the man with the covenant intervened and asked God for mercy. Don't give up on your children. Don't give up on your lost loved ones. That's exactly right. God may hear your prayer and spare them. Not because they're worthy, not because they are deserving, but because God was merciful to you. But when the Lord had heard Abram's prayer, notice in verse 33, and the Lord went his way 
And as soon as he left communing with Abraham, and Abraham returned unto his place. But Abraham did not need a strategist to be able to lay out the battles of war because Abraham was not in that type of a battle. But what Abraham did need was God that would appear in the form of a man and be able to have communion with Abraham. That's what Abraham needed. That's what Abraham got. Notice, if you look with me also in Genesis 32, 24, that the same Christ now appears to another man by the name of Jacob. And Jacob was left alone and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. Notice he is not a commander. He is not a pillar of fire. He is not a light, a light rather, or a cloud. But he is a man and he looks so human and he could wrestle. He could feel strain on his muscles. And no doubt Jacob grabbed a hold of him and he might have put a little bit of hurt on him. Who knows? He must have really put up a fight. And this time he appears in a weaker, similarly, seem like, form. So it was not great light of rays of light was emanating from his body. It was not great Shekinah glory, but it looked like an ordinary man. And it might have seemed as if though that Jacob was really doing a good job. And he kept holding on and holding on and holding on. To me, what I see is the great hand of God in the display of condescension. You understand? That God would allow himself in this human-looking form to seemingly almost be overcome by a mortal. Notice in verse 29. And Jacob asked him and said, tell me I pray thee thy name. And he said, wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face. My life is preserved. So the angel of Jehovah is not a created angel. It is not a created being separate from the deity of God, but it is actually Jehovah himself in the form of self-manifestation. The invisible becomes visible and he reveals himself. Now there can be no doubt, I don't think to any Bible reader, to know that the angel of the Lord is the Lord himself. Exodus 3, 7. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters. God speaking to Moses. For I know their sorrows and I am come down. Now, you know, God has appeared in so many different ways and dispensations, but it's on the rare occasion that God actually uses these words and said that I have come down. Now what God had done, he had come down and he was gonna send Moses. So I count our generation a very blessed bunch of people since the Lord has come down again. Now it's not in every generation that God comes down but it is a special time, a special significance. And remember the last time we spoke on this, it was during the time of the harlot Rahab, which was a Gentile, that the commander of the Lord's host came down. 
It is during the time of the bride's omega revival that the Lord himself appears again in the last days. I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Notice in chapter 23, verse 20. Behold, I send an angel before thee. Now God again speaking to Moses, but now this time it's going to be a different manifestation of the same Christ. Watch this. You know, the Bible tells us that Moses chose to bear the reproach of Christ rather than enjoy the pleasures than the treasures that was down in Egypt. But the Bible doesn't say that Moses chose to bear the reproach of Jesus because Jesus was the human body that Christ, the amorphe of God, lived in. But Christ pre-existed Jesus, the human part. You understand? Just like you as an attribute of God pre-existed before your natural birth. Not as a mortal now, not as a soul. We don't believe in pre-existence of souls or transmigration of souls, but we existed in the mind of God as a thought. Then from there, we come to become tangible on the earth. So God came down, but now notice what he tells Moses in this verse. Behold, I send an angel before thee to keep thee in the way and to bring thee into the place which I have prepared. Beware of him and obey his voice. Provoke him not, for he will not pardon your transgressions. For my name is in him. Now notice God telling Moses, I have come down to see you. I have come in this special manifestation to reveal myself to you, but I will send my angel, my personal angel. What is God's angel? A physical manifestation of the invisible God. And he calls it mine angel. And he says, my name is in him. But if thou shalt indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy unto thine enemies and an adversary unto thine adversaries. Brother, sister, you can ask for nothing no better than that. Notice in verse 23, for mine angel. Now this is going to be the angel of God. Do you know every elect person on the earth has an angel? Jesus says, do not harm these little ones, for their angels always behold the face of my Father. So you have an angel. It hung around your mother before you were ever born. Amen. Some of y'all looking at me funny. Now notice he says, mine angel shall go before thee and bring thee, and then he repeats again, of course, all the tribes that he's gonna run out before them. So this is Jehovah himself and a temporary descent to visibility for a special purpose. So we know that the Bible says that God is invisible, and we know that the Bible goes on to tell us that Moses saw him who was invisible. Well, that's totally impossible unless God would take on a visible form. So we know then that God has done this in previous times. Notice again in Exodus chapter three, verse two. 
And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. And he looked and behold the bush burned with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Same God, different manifestation. You know, the great thing about it is the elect of God, no matter what form God chooses to reveal himself, you cannot hide God from the elect. But you sure can't hide him from the foolish virgin because they'll look right at him and call him three every time. They'll look right at him and not know who he is. If you know who he is today, you're a very blessed person. Now, even though he will appear in one form and then change his mask and go into another and change his mask and go into another, the elect of God have always recognized him. So we don't want to put God in a mold and say, well, last Sunday the service went this way and that way and now we're looking for it to go the same way today. Nope, today we have different needs. We're fighting different battles. Is that right? So what do we want today? Exactly what we need for today. And then Wednesday night, we want what we need for Wednesday night. Is that right? Now, once you notice this, I found this scripture the other day. It was down in South Carolina taking some days off, resting with our family. And, and I found this scripture. I thought it's so beautiful. Isaiah 63, 8. And he said, surely they are my people, children that will not lie. So he was their savior in all their affliction. He was afflicted and the angel of his presence saved them. Now notice again, this is Christ in a theophanic appearance and he calls him the angel of his presence. In his love and in his pity, he redeemed them and bears them and carried them all the days of old. So now I went through all that to come back to the time in the dispensation of Joshua. So here Joshua is now facing Jericho and he doesn't know which way to go. He doesn't know what to do. And no doubt he has an opinion. Joshua's a great general. As a matter of fact, the prophet tells us he was the greatest general that ever lived. So he was a great, great general. You understand that Napoleon studied part of Joshua's strategy? You understand that part of the English generals in World War I and also World War II, that they also studied part of the strategy of Joshua? And it was a great, great thing. But now this would not be a strategy that would really make any human sense because you've got this gigantic city and you've got walls that has an outer wall and an inner wall. Put both of them together, they're 20 feet thick. You've got houses that are spread across the top of the walls. You've got them built out of great, gigantic, tremendous stones which they've actually excavated, excavated rather and found some of the stones still there laying in the dirt. They've also found ancient timbers to where that they fell down in the ground. So looking at it was just a mind, a carnal mind. You say, how in the world are we ever going to get in this place? How are we going to take this? But this commanding officer by whom Joshua submitted himself to worship. Now notice it tells you who this was. This was not just an angel. Remember when John had this angel that appeared to him and made known to him the entire book of Revelation and John fell down to worship the angel and he said, see thou do it not, I am one of thy fellow servants, the prophets, remember? So had this been just a created angel, the created angel would have stopped Joshua from worshiping him. But whoever this was allowed Joshua to worship him and not only that, he encouraged him. So he tells him, take your shoes off. Let me tell you something, friend. There will be no public victory until there is private worship. 
I don't know about you, I don't just worship God publicly before everybody else. I don't want to just be a worshiper where I come to the house of God and I worship him. I worship him every day of my life. Every day of my life, I worship my king. I give him praise for the air I breathe. I give him praise for the water that I drink, for the food that I have to eat. I give him praise for you. I give him praise for my friends. I even give him praise for the trials that I go through because I know that he's doing it for my good. You say I ain't got much to praise him for. You need to open your eyes and look around. You have got so much to praise him for. Oh, hallelujah. You see, reflecting in the behavior of what Joshua is now fixing to do, the commanding officer let him know that I have given Jericho and the king and all of its mighty soldiers, I have already given it to you. But now Joshua needs the strategy. So what do I do? You know, all of us as the people of God, when we face different things of life, we know that one strategy that maybe worked in this trial doesn't work in that trial. I find it amazing looking at the life of the Lord Jesus and when the scribes and the Pharisees would come up to him and whenever before the end of his ministry come, he would rebuke them. I mean, he humiliated them. He would call them all kinds of sarcastic names it would seem and rebuke them before the people. But yet when it come to the time of the crucifixion the Bible says he held his peace and opened not his mouth. Boy you know that's really hard for some of us sometimes isn't it? Because sometimes the Lord will commission us to rebuke the devil and scream at him and holler at him and everything else and then there's other times to where you just hold your peace. What is that? It's a change of strategy. But the thing of it is, I'm afraid sometimes that we become so confident in the way we won the last battle or the last war that we think, well, I'll just do this and this and this. It worked last time instead of us saying, Lord, how should I face this one? I really don't know. I ain't never been this way before, Father. I don't know what to do. Should I scream? Should I holler? Should I shout? Or should I hold my peace this round? Well, praise the Lord. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But you see, he's showing him the significance of God being able to be in control no matter what the battle is. Now he says, back to Joshua 5, 14, as captain of the host of the Lord, I am now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, what saith my Lord to his servant? Oh my. So Israel's host, is now accepting the real leader. Now Joshua, of course, is the natural captain, but he's putting himself in the perspective of where God wants him to be, and Joshua recognizes he's second in command. I wonder how many of us have done the same thing. Or do we still feel like we're number one in command? We're number one in the battles. We're number one in the victories. We're number one in all of that. Nope, the sooner we get to where we realize I can't even walk without you holding my hand. That's the better part of the victory. 
Now, the real character of the person that we're looking at is displayed by receiving and encouraging worship from Joshua. So this gives Joshua that consolation to know who he's talking to because if this battle goes wrong, then Joshua is going to be a complete failure. So he's never seen this being before. He's never heard this voice before. There's no record that anyone ever appeared to Moses like this. We have no record back to the Old Testament that anyone appeared to Abraham like this or Jacob or Isaac. So this is the first appearance that God chose to come in this way. How is he going to know that it's God and not a demon? Oh my How is he going to know that it's the spirit of God and it's not the wrong thing? We got a question on that from the youth that maybe I'll get to tomorrow night. Well, one thing that we can always know, the spirit of God will never lead any of us contrary to his word. When people say, I feel led to do this and I feel led to do that. I don't know who gets blamed the most for a lot of things that folks do, God or the devil. Of course, if people say, well, God led me to do it, then if it's wrong, of course, it ain't your fault. It's God's fault. Are you crazy? God don't never make no mistakes. And if they say, well, the devil made me do it, why don't you just go and accept the fact that you done it yourself? Well, praise the Lord. Now, Joshua, he's convinced that this voice, this being, the representation of what he sees And the voice that's coming from this being harmonizes with what Moses has already said. So he feels like, I have no choice but to follow. This is him. This is the commander. This is him. I will follow. Now notice Joshua 6.1. Now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. Now they ain't even done anything yet. And yet the city is all locked down. Oh my, they're a cult. Here they come and they're coming into our city. Oh my goodness, what in the world is gonna do? So they figure the best thing to do is just shut her down. I've been there before. Have any of y'all ever been there where they shut you down? And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given into thine hand Jericho and the king thereof and the mighty men of valor and ye shall compass the city all ye men of war and go round about the city once and thou shalt do this six days. Okay. So we're gonna get up early in the morning and we're all gonna go around the city one time for six days. We're not gonna say anything We're not going to whisper. We're not going to talk. We're going to go around the city and then go back to our tents. And this is the strategy to defeat this place. Now, let me revert back with you. Now, if we were under the ministry of Joshua and it was us that heard this, I wonder what some of you would say. I wonder if some of y'all would say, I'm wondering about Brother Joshua. I'm telling you one thing. I mean, I have never heard. I've been looking for quotes all day. I've been looking for some reference that I can, I can find no reference to this that it's ever been done this way before. Are we sure we can trust this man? Now, friends, don't sit there and look at me like y'all a bunch of angels. People are the same. They're the same then as they are today. 
Now they might not have said anything when they walked around the city, but can you imagine when they got back to their tent? Can you believe this? Lord have mercy. We're burnt. We are burnt. I mean, there's no hope for us. Lord have mercy. I, I never heard such a strategy in my entire life. You've got to be kidding me. And here we're trusting this man to lead us to the promised land. Now, notice in verse four, and seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets on ram's horns. But here they go, seven priests, and they have the ram's horns, and they're total mutes. So whether they packed it by their side or whether they did like this, we don't know. But whatever they did, the position that they had the horn, not one sound came out of the horn. It was almost as if God was trying to humiliate his people and make them look like they were a bunch of idiots. Ever been there and done that? Oh my. And the seventh day, you shall come past the city seven times and the priest shall blow with the trumpets. And it shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn. When you shall hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout and the wall of the city shall fall down flat. Ah, gotcha. So we trample our feet and we shout and a 20 foot thick wall is going to collapse. You got that? You got that? You got that, boy? Huh? What about it, Sister Jenny? You got that? You good with that? It would have took a lot of faith to believe such a thing. There was no quotes to refer back to. There was no reference in their history. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, that happened before. This had never happened before. The message preachers that are called and anointed of God are preaching something to their congregations around the world today that has never happened before. A mass exodus of people coming up missing on the earth at one time. They are preaching a phenomenal that old people will be sitting like this or some of them will be at Walmart, some will be at a restaurant, some of them will be taking an afternoon siesta after they eat their lunch and all of a sudden a sweep will come over the earth and all of them will be changed back to 18 years old in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Is there any reference to where this has happened globally before? And yet you believe this? God bless you. Me too. Oh, notice verse six. And Joshua the son of Nun called the priests and said to them, take up the ark of the covenant, let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns. Notice how meticulous God is with his numerics. 
And he said unto the people, pass on and come past the city and let them that is armed pass on before the ark of the Lord. And it came to pass when Joshua had spoken unto the people that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns passed on before the Lord. Notice this is the seventh day now. And blew with the trumpets and the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. So here we have the priests, the preachers that are going out first. It ain't no wonder the devil's trying to stop the preachers from preaching. Well, praise the Lord. But let him try, let him do what he wants to, let him say what he will. God called men ain't never gonna stop preaching the gospel. Mm. That's right. And the armed men went before the priests that blew with the trumpets and the re-reward came out to the ark and the priests going on and blowing the trumpets and Joshua had commanded the people saying, ye shall not shout nor make any noise with your voice. Neither shall any word proceed out of your mouth until the day I bid you shout. That sounds like a controlling sort of an individual, don't it? Y'all don't say a word until I tell you to. Can you imagine some of them going back home? Uh-huh. Oh, he's a dominating thing, ain't he? Who in the world does he think he is? Joshua, second in command. That's who he knows he is. So the ark of the Lord came past the city, going about it once. And they came into the camp and lodged. Praise the Lord, we got the victory. Hallelujah. There wasn't even dust fell down from between the mortar on the walls. There was nothing happened. Day one, zero results. Day two, zero results. Day three, day four, day five, day six, zero results. No sign of victory. The seed of Abraham count those things that are not as though they are. Oh, praise the Lord. Notice in verse 12, and Joshua rose early in the morning and the priest took up the ark of the Lord. Notice verse 15, and it came to pass in the seventh church age or the seventh day, they rose up early about the dawning of the day, or as we would say, at the rising of the sun. Amen. And compassed the city after the same manner seven times, only on that day, amen, only on that day, they compassed the city seven times. You imagine all them people up there laughing and hollering and making fun of them. After the first day, you know, they probably was in shock. After the first day, they said, what in the world? I ain't never seen nothing like this in my life. 
So they get all their cameras and they go to posting YouTube videos, as we'd say. And they say, look, this is what's going on over there. Can you imagine that nothing happened? Nothing moved, no sound. They didn't say a word. That's a miracle within itself. That's some of the biggest long-term men and women ever lived in that group of people. And they did not say one word. This is part of their victory, following orders. Praise the Lord. How many wants victory? How many can follow orders of the word? Ah, my, my. And it came to pass at the seventh time when the priests blew with the trumpets, Joshua said unto the people, shout, shout. Oh. So after this theophanic appearance came a shout, a voice, and a trumpet. Whoa, glory, a shout, a voice, and a trumpet. All three of these appear. Remember the prophet said it in rapture. All three of these happen when he's, when he's, when he's descending. Praise the Lord. Shout, for the Lord hath given you the city, and the city shall be accursed, even it, all that are therein to the Lord. Only Rahab, the harlot, shall live. So the shout, the voice, and the trumpet, and a Gentile bride's name is called during the time of the shout, the voice, and the trumpet. Hallelujah! Oh, glory to God! Can you imagine how unworthy she must have felt that the mighty commander of the army of Israel is calling her name? Only Rahab the harlot shall live. She and all that are with her in the house. Because she had on a long dress, because she let her hair grow out, because she quit wearing makeup, because she hid the messengers that we sent. You mean her salvation was identified not only with that cord, but because she gave the true men of God a place of shelter. Touch not mine anointed and do my prophets no harm. Stand with God's anointed. When you get in trouble, the anointing will stand with you. Stand again God's anointing and you're standing against God. This is what your Bible says, right? Because she hid the messengers that we sent. So here they are now on day seven, verse 20. So the people shouted when the priests blew with the trumpets. And it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet. Uh-huh. So the trumpet sounded 
And there was a response among the people and the people shouted, we've been changed. We've been changed. I was standing there combing my hair, what little bit I had left and it was gray and I was fixing to put my contacts in and I started right toward my eye with my contact and all of a sudden I didn't need my contact no more. And I got a new body and I got new hair and I got new strength and I got a new revelation. We have been changed. When the trumpet sounded, the people began to shout out, hallelujah, the victory is ours. And the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. Wow. I got this headline for you. LSU fans create two Baton Rouge earthquakes and win over Alabama. Now this is true. This happened just, what was it, last week? When LSU won the ball, football, right, is that what it is? I trapped you, didn't I? Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> so when LSU won over Alabama, the people started shouting and screaming and hollering. And the earth, the earth started shaking. Can you imagine? Glory to God. When the saints of God started going around that place and Joshua said, now, now. And all of a sudden, all around that whole city, they started shouting, they started worshiping, they started praising God. You imagine that old land around Jericho. Oh, hallelujah! And the land began to shake and tremors went through the earth and the city began to sound around and the Bible says the walls fell down flat. Why? Because the people of God needed a victory in their life. Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord. You know, there's some of the excavations that they've done around the city there of Jericho. They said it looks like a gigantic earthquake. Hallelujah. Except it was not because that plate shifted under that plate and the great seismic graph of pressure done so and so and so. It was simply the trumpets being blowed and they was following the direction of a God-ordained man of God and the saints of God started shouting. They didn't shout because they felt like it. They didn't shout because they felt more victory. They shouted because they were told to shout. Amen. Sometimes we need to clap our hands because we're told to clap them. We need to say praise the Lord because we're told to clap them. Who knows your wall may come down. 
who knows that sickness may leave your body. Amen. Nay, utterly destroyed all that was in the city. I find this amazing. All these people living on the wall. All these people in the city. And it don't sound like hardly any of them died. God done his part. Now he wants them to do theirs. Y'all ready? Look out, devil. Here we come. But Joshua had said unto the two men that had spied out the country, go unto the harlot's house. Notice he didn't send them into the harlot's rubble. They didn't have to send dogs to find her. Her house had floated down like a feather. So here she's built between these two walls and these two walls are coming down crashing. But my, how in the world did they ever get that elevator underneath her house? It's like it's settling down smoother than this Holiday Inn elevator going to verse floor five and four six and four seven. And all of a sudden, you know what she's saying? Mama, don't worry. Daddy, don't worry. Brother, don't worry. Child, don't worry. They gave me a promise. You know who them two men were? They were two preachers. I'll let you think on that. What's this? The prophet said, I'd like to make mention of one woman here that I think of in the Bible. She was bad to begin with, rotten to the core. Young, beautiful woman by the name of Rahab. She was a heathen, a prostitute, but she heard there was a God not an idol that sat dumb with a declaration of creeds, but a God who lived among his people and anointed them with signs and wonders following. Let's think she was raised in a home that was real poor. She become ill famed. She's a beautiful young woman. She went into the streets to make her crippled mother and father a living. No way to work only sell the morals of her body. But I can imagine all the time she knew that was wrong. There was something in her that told her, glory to God, this is not right. And she knew it wasn't right. But one day she heard there was a God moving and her heart began to tremble. Oh, glory. Aren't you glad you can relate to the same experience? Notice this, it goes on to say, but all of a sudden, a little preacher enters the city and said, there's a God that lives. Oh, my, he lived yesterday and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does the same works. And when he did, he was here on earth. His agents on the road. Now Rahab the harlot was known as a harlot. She was a type 
of the believer today. The real believer. She didn't say now, if I can see Joshua do signs because he's the successor of Moses and if I could see those signs, I'll believe it. He didn't have to absolutely show no signs at all because she believed it anyhow. Rahab the harlot, we're all familiar with her. Young girl turned out on the street by heathen father and mother. She was put there to bring an income to them from prostitution. Yet down in that immoral girl, she had heard there was a God who answered prayer. What was down in her? Well, believe it or not, same thing that was inside of you when you was drinking, smoking, running around, lying, committing adultery, doing all kinds of things. What was it? The dispersal of the seed of God. Notice verse 23. And the young men that were spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and her mother and her brethren and all that she had. And they brought out all her kindred and left them without the camp of Israel. And Joshua, Yahshua, you remember what Jesus means in the New Testament? Jehovah Savior. Same thing Joshua means in the Hebrew of the Old Testament. And Joshua saved Rahab the heart and alive and her father's household and all that she had. And she dwelleth in Israel even unto this day because she hid the messengers. Now what I find amazing is she had already died by the time this was written. But she still lived in Israel. Why? It's part of who they were. Why does this story mean so much to us? Believe it or not, it's still alive among us today. Why? We can see our own lives portrayed. This is one thing that I've noticed in this last time as I've been going through these five women in the lineage of the Lord Jesus typifying the church and the reconciliation of the bride. I found, just in looking at it, I've come to a recognition to see that God wrote the life stories of these women into the very types of being the bride. It's come from a bad, 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 bad background. From a very terrible situation, prostitution, whoredom, all kinds of things. Why God was writing the kaleidoscope of who his people would be. Some of them would come from the dark regions of Africa. Others would come from the dark regions of the church of God. Others would come from the dark regions of the Baptists or the dark regions of the church of Christ. And them's really dark regions. But yet God would shine upon them and the predestinated seed would jump to life one day by the word and they would recognize who they are. Let me close. The prophet says it this way. And why little Bethlehem? And when she got the first message speaking about Rahab from them two preachers. Oh, wow. Now, wait a minute. I thought Brother Bram said that they were tape boys, one and the same. So the true tape boys are preachers. Either that or you got the prophet saying two different things which makes him a liar. Now you do what you want to with it. He said right here are the two preachers and then he said she had the tape boys. So real true preachers are tape boys. Why? They say what the tapes say. 
Well, praise the Lord. They're saying what the tapes say. Brother Branham did not say play what the tapes play, but say what the tapes say. Come on now, let's say it if we believe it. Say what the tapes say. You can't say it if you don't open your mouth. So she got the message first from them two preachers that went over and quickly she accepted with all of her heart. There was a scarlet cord bound at her window. I forgot my scarlet cord this morning because the last time I preached it, Brother Joel Brown wanted to have it. Notice a scarlet cord bound at her window for a protection. I'm so glad my hope is not in a red wave that the Republicans is gonna take over everything and they're gonna make everything better. Well, I imagine some of you are so sad. My hope is not in politics. I read it just this morning, a new newsflash from Yahoo that said because the Democrats now have control of the Senate, they will now be able to appoint more liberal judges and more liberal this and liberal that. I thought, yeah, just exactly no doubt what they're supposed to do. I'm not sure what you've done before the election, but I prayed and prayed and prayed and said, Lord, whoever needs to be in there to bring the consummation, the rapture, let it be. Come on, children. I'm not interested in a red wave today. I'm interested in the red blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not tied to a Republican party or a Democrat party. I've got my cord hanging out my window. I want to be protected from Laodicea. Oh. The prophet said, God looked down when the wrath fell and the trumpets began to blow. God seen the scarlet cord hanging there as a memorial. It's always pleased him to pass over the blood. When I see the blood, I'll pass over you. When the shaking and the Holy Spirit rumbled the earth and shook down them walls, some 20 feet thick, not one rock fell where that cord was hanging. Shows the protection of a true God to a true believer. You see, a true believer can look at life and battles this way. If it's the will of God for me to be going through a tremendous trial and battle and test, Sickness, maybe a disease has struck your body. You're just as safe in that trial as you would be out of it with all the skies blue and the sunlight coming around you. Why? You're in the will of God. As a matter of fact, one of our great generals who followed the type of Joshua said he was just as safe on the battlefield as he was at home, in his bed, asleep. Boy, I could understand that this day and time. You know, you ain't safe nowhere, are you? But can you imagine bullets flying by you? Your enemy looking at you, got their scope on you, watching for you, 
but you're just as safe if that's the will of God for you as if you are in your home, head down in your basement somewhere, let me just tell you, if it's the will of God for you to go through a test, go through a trial, go through a sickness or a disease, and God will bring you out on the other side, you're just as safe in that trial. But you say, Brother Donnie, it's a tumor, it's this out of the other, but the hand of God, if it's the hand of God that has allowed you to be there, don't you know the hand of God will bring you out on the other side? You're just as safe as long as you're in God's will. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And we know that Rahab marries one of these spies according to the Jewish tradition and the law of what they say, whose name was Salmon who became the founder of the place called Beth Alehem, the house of God's bread. Through what? A Gentile whose past was horrible. No doubt she remembered and reminisced just like some of us have done of our failures and our shortcomings before God. But you know what it proves to me? We do not have to be ruled by our past and the dictates of those things which are behind us. Don't never, my friends, underestimate the power of amazing grace. Who would have ever thought God could have taken a woman like this, a woman like Tamar, a woman like Bathsheba, and be able to interwove them in the very human genealogy of our Lord Jesus. If you understood the writings of the genealogies, you know that when a woman was a foul woman, they would not even allow her name to be written associated with a clean man. If her father was a righteous man, her name was not absolutely forbidden to be wrote in connection with him because her reproach would bring shame upon his name. You don't see what the grace of God is when you read the book of Matthew and the book of Luke. When you read the name Tamar, you read the name of of Ruth, oh hallelujah, and Rahab. And in Matthew, he doesn't even record the name Bathsheba. But her, which was the wife of Uriah. You don't realize what grace you're reading because according to their genealogy, they should not even be identified in the records of the law. But the grace of God reached down to them, not only put them in the records of the law, but allowed them to be written in the genealogy of the Lord Jesus himself. I don't know about you, there's a few folks in my family, I wouldn't want you all to look up you think my face has seen a lot on, on YouTube. <laughs> Boy, there's a few folks in my family. Oh, I know, I'm sure the only one that's got them. Every one of y'all's got angels and the rest of your family, right? Oh, I see. You see, in my family's bank robbers and liars and all that sort of thing. They chummed up with some of your family. Oh. <laughs> but the grace of God reached to us beyond our DNA our maternal side, our paternal side, and reach to the seed of God, which was down in our soul. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. 
Oh, Jesus, how we thank you today for your mercy. We thank you for your grace to us, Father. Oh, what a great, great thing you have done down through the ages. We love you today, Father. We know it's the slowly unfolded mystery of God. Sometimes it was written right out plain where people would be able to see it. Other times it was hidden in the lives of people. People that were very unlikely candidates to receive such glory. Which of us would have ever picked a woman like Tamar who would dress as a prostitute to allure her father-in-law into an illicit relationship. But she didn't do it for the thirst of lust. Had it not been for her, the seed of Judah would have died. There was not another alive to carry on. Or as it went on in time, the only genealogy left would come to her. So we find in the very human genealogy of our Lord Jesus, when God pronounced, there will be none of this side of David, of this particular son's reign. None of them shall ever sit on the throne again. And yet the line is the line of the tribe of Judah. I'm not sure if they understand, Lord. Both Joseph and Mary are from David. It would have been a failure through the one side. But you always have a safety net, an absolute, that will prevent Satan from stopping your plan. Lord, I love you today. I'm so thankful for sovereignty. We would have messed up so many times. We would have totally ruined the program of God. But whenever we mess up so bad, you reserve that little space of sovereignty where you can step in and say, get out of the way, let me fix your mess. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. We love you, Jesus. Would any of us have ever chose Ruth? Would any of us ever chose Rahab? Bathsheba, through that union. Yet, Lord God, you was projecting salvation, grace, and mercy in the Old Testament written thousands of years ago. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And now here we are. We have people in our assembly who believe this word, who come with a background from Rahab. Some with a background like Ruth. Some of the background like Tamar. Canaanites, heathens, idolaters. But Lord God, today saved by the grace of God. Saved by your mercy, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And we are so saved that we are the crowning success of Calvary as they were the crowning success of the Old Testament. Matthew wrote of one genealogy, Luke wrote of the other, bringing both of them together and the human embodiment of our Lord 
It was the fulfillment and the protection of the line of the tribe of Judah. Lord God, today we are your seed bride. And your word is written in our lives as your name is written in our hearts. Lord God, we bring our needs before you today, Father. I know we got a lot of things going on, a lot of sickness, viruses, all kinds of different things, Lord. I pray you'd move among the people, Father. Some fighting terrible things, some with very, very serious things going on in their lives. Lord Jesus, help us to be patient and wait on you. Help us to know sometimes you want us to shout. Other times you want us to listen. Sometimes you want us to march and say not a word. Day one, day two, day three, up to day six, and then on day seven, we go to having a time. Hallelujah. Help us to be sensitive to your leadership, Lord Jesus. Help me as the leader of your people, Father, that I can be sensitive to following your presence, Lord. Oh, Lamb of God, teach me how to fight. Teach me, Lord God. As the battle changes from one scenario to another, from one battlefield to another, teach me. May I always be able to be taught, Lord. May I always be able to learn, Father. There are times that we cry aloud and spare not. And then there's times that we hold our peace and let you fight for us. It's so hard for us sometimes, Lord. We don't know which way to go. We don't know what to do. But help us, great champion of the host. We bring ourselves before you today as Joshua of old. And we say, speak, my Lord. Tell me what you want me to do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody's facing a battle today, maybe a test. You need some direction. You need some answer to prayer in your life, some leadership of the Lord. Just, just raise your hand to him now, not to me, of course, but to him. Lord, I, I need help. I need to know which way to go. How, how do I do this? How do I do that? Lord, I don't know. Help me, Father. Father, we agree together right now in the name of the Lord Jesus. We believe we've heard them preachers too. Praise the Lord. They come up telling us he ain't dead, but he's alive. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He still heals the sick, saves the lost, baptizes with the Holy Ghost. Oh, Jesus, we bless your name today, Father. We worship you, Lord. We want to worship you. As they sang the song earlier, we want to worship you for who you are, Father. We want to worship you for who you are. Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nissi, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Tiskanu, Jehovah Rapha. You're all of that to us in that human form, the Lord Jesus Christ. We worship you today, Father. Oh, Lord, help us, I pray, to be able to be of a worshiping heart. How many times have I worshiped and praised my way right out of a valley, right out of a trial that was so great and I was waiting for a word from the Lord, waiting for a great shaking of the wall and I look back and I realize I just praised my way right out of that valley. Oh, glory to God. Lord Jesus, we worship you today, Father. We want to be like Joshua. We want to worship you while the walls are still standing. 
We don't want to be the type of people that we can't worship until after the walls are laying flat. But we want to go ahead and worship you right here today. Even though the doctor's scan may say a bad report. And we've got this going on and that going on. We're going to go ahead and praise you like the walls are laying flat down. And we're already set free. Because we're the seed of Abraham. We speak with prophetic understanding. Calling those things which are not as though they are. Mighty God, we bless your name today, Lord. We worship you, Jesus. Anybody want to worship him with me? Or maybe you're facing your Jericho today. You say, Brother Don, it ain't no better. Well, the commander is here. The commander of the Lord's host. What do you say? We worship him before the walls ever fall down flat. Let's just bless his name. He may have a headache. You may have a backache. You may have something terrible going on in your family. Whatever it is. But let's just worship him. Let's just praise him and knowing that he's the God of the storm. He's the God of the valley just like he's the God of the mountain. He's the God of the bad report like he's the God of the good report. He's the God when you're sneezing and coughing and running a fever just like he's God when you got a perfect bill of health from your doctor. Amen. He's Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Shalom. He's Jehovah everything you have need of. Praise the Lord Jesus. Oh, we worship you, Lord. Let's just worship him now, children. That great commander is here today in our presence. He has sanctified this room, hallelujah, with his presence. Oh, glory to God, this place is holy. We too are holy, sanctified by the commanding presence of our great mighty general. He's leading us on. He's giving us the victories that we need, giving us the leadership that we need in Laodicea. Oh, we have disappointments, sure, every day of our life we do, but we keep pressing beyond them because we are more than conquerors through him who loved us and gave himself for us. I'm gonna go ahead and praise him because my new body's coming. I'm gonna go ahead and praise him because the change lays right in front of us. I'm gonna go ahead and praise him because I know the dead are fixing to get up out of the grave. I'm gonna go ahead and praise him because one of these mornings, I'm fixing to see Brother Cecil Bath. I'm fixing to see Brother Jimmy Bath. I'm fixing to see Brother Gene Lehman. I'm fixing to see the saints of God and the brothers and sisters that have gone on before us. So I think I'll go ahead and praise him for the resurrection because it's coming my way. I'm gonna go ahead and praise him this morning because the body change is heading our way. I'm close, closer this morning than I've ever been before. I think I'm gonna go ahead and praise him for the deliverance of those of you that are bound today because you're one day closer to your deliverance. I wish somebody would help me worship the Lord God. Why don't you just shout to the Lord with all your heart, Lord, I praise you. Lord, I bless your name. Lord, I give you praise and adoration, Lord God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We worship you, Lord Jesus. We bless your name, Father. You're worthy of our praise, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's worship him now, saints. You are awesome. My God is Hallelujah. 
I've seen you in battle. Thank you, Lord. Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, God. All this praise him, children. He can move the mountain. Hallelujah, Jesus. Even in the valley. Even in the valley. Hiding from the rain. My God is awesome. Go ahead and praise him. Praise him like the walls are laying at your feet. Praise him like that cancer is gone. Praise him like that growth is gone. Thank you, Lord Jesus. He is awesome. He heals me when I'm broken. When I'm broken. Thank you, Jesus. My God is awesome. Oh, how many can say He's awesome? Jesus, You are awesome. Oh, Jesus, when I'm weary, when I'm sick, when we're down and burdened. Oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. All my life you 
can sing it with me. All my life you've been faithful, Lord. I haven't been faithful to you always. Running out. 
healer, our deliverer, our first and help in the time of need and trouble. thankful for the helps that God's put in our church, the ministers that can fill in. There's a very, very special place in our hearts for our pastor. Is that right? Amen. We certainly appreciate it. Let's just sing um, God is good all the time. I think we do that in the end. And don't forget the service Wednesday night. Let's just, let's just go with keeping what we heard this morning. 